0: broadcasting from the any hour services podcast studios. I'm your host, Mike Wilson, and you're listening to in the house in the house is a podcast about the major systems in the house, electrical, plumbing, heating, air conditioning. Each week I'm joined by a panel of experts. We pick a topic and we discuss it in depth. It's meant to be informative Inform. inform. It's meant to like make you smarter and hopefully bring you some value. In this episode, we're gonna be talking about AC annual maintenance, um, what to expect, when's the best time of year to get it done, and why do we have to do it every year? So uh, I've got Kevin, Dustin, and Dick uh, with me today, HVAC managers at Any Hour Services. Welcome back, guys. Thanks, Thanks for having Good to be back. So in episode 11, we actually talked about spring prep and we went over a bunch of maintenance That people can do themselves So tell me What's the difference between the stuff That people do themselves And what a technician would do
1: Uh, A lot of it's having the right tools Okay So if you don't have the right tools You're not going to be able to do some of the stuff
2: (coughs) Right tools and the right know-how To know how to use the
0: tools And to know what to look for So why why do people need to do this each year?
1: Make sure it's running right
0: I'm going to push back like like if it's working it's 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 working
1: that's a, that's a thing that we see a lot of times is it's maybe working but it's not working as good as it should be it's keeping the house cool yeah well is it keeping it cool or is it just is it running the long longer than it should be i'm comfortable okay is your utility bill comfortable
0: I, it comes out of the bank it's, it's <laughs> equal pay like i got the money to cover it
1: okay like, so you're not I'm paying cool. attention to it then no uh-uh. okay then so if I came to you and said, Mike, I can lower that payment by a simple thing. What would you say?
0: I'd say, do it. All right then. So a big part of it is, um, but I'm—I've had my air conditioner tuned up. My power bill doesn't go down. Okay.
1: and that you're lucky to have that because we don't see that a lot of times. How, how does that make me lucky? <laughs> that you don't your your air conditioner's been running good. Oh,
0: <laughs> but
1: that but you that you haven't that's, been overpaying for it. Got it. Okay. <laughs> so so a big part of it is.
2: you have uh, so many moving parts and so many things that are happening on the inside of the system. Uh, When things move, they can wear out, right? Uh, You've got a lot of these parts that as they're going, as they're starting to fall below manufacturer specs, um, they can create extra uh, unnecessary strain and wear on other components. You know, for example, you got capacitors, right? If you find that a capacitor is actually running below spec.
0: um, Yeah, hit hit the mic and there's like a, a bass noise that happens so <laughs> nice. don't do that sorry what was i saying you were saying that you
2: were too capacitors. far away from the mic <clears throat> was I, am i too far i got a frog in my throat i'm sorry Ribbit.
0: um <laughs> capacitors <laughs> <laughs> things are moving
2: things wear out so if you're running if you're running your system and say your capacitor is below spec it's going to create extra uh work for you know lack of a better way to say it for your components that it's that it's uh helping the motor and the compressor, right? And so it can just create that which can cause those things to actually wear out and break sooner. And so having things checked because of all the stuff that's going on can prevent you from having to have to spend extra money on major repairs or replacement in the future uh, prematurely.
3: That was uh, one thought I had, Mike. Closer on the mic. Closer on the mic, Mike. Or
0: instead of bending down,
3: like actually bring the mic to your mouth because you're going to go it. back
0: to a comfortable
3: position. Um, thought. Yep. Y- you mentioned that you've had your tune up and it didn't change the cost for utility bills. Correct? <clears throat> now, that may be something that occurs out there with other people as well, but one thought on that is maybe your utility cost isn't changing much, but maybe you're extending the life of your equipment by years. I don't know how many, but maybe you're extending the, the lifespan of that uh, air conditioner, which is going to save you a significant amount of money without even recognizing it on your monthly utilities. Yeah, and I'm
0: just playing devil's advocate here because there's a lot of skeptical people out there. I'm surprised at the number of people that don't get it done. Now, I'm, I'm always under the impression when I talk to people that the reason they're not getting it done is usually because it's just slipping their mind because people don't usually argue with the benefits of maintaining a large piece of equipment and one of the when people ask me, "Why do I need to have it done every year, one of the things that I tell them is that the people that engineered this thing, that are a whole lot smarter than me, that know how to get the most life out of the thing, have said, "Here's the things that you need to do on a regular basis to this." And so the I relate it to um, a car, you know, changing the oil in your car. It's pretty common knowledge. Like, more people know that, like, hey, every three to 5,000 miles, I got to get my oil changed in my car, but not as many people. It's not as common to know that, like, once a year, I need to have my air conditioner tuned up, and so part of... The reason that I go on the radio and talk about this stuff really is to kind of educate people and let them know that this thing needs to be done. But, you know, changing the oil, rotating the tires, having all of those services done. The car manufacturers, they say, hey, these big parts are going to wear out if you don't get it done and you're going to be putting more money into repairing it. And so what you guys said about like that's the thing is when you don't maintain it, it's just like if you skip an oil change the car's not just going to break down on the side of the road, especially when it's new, right? It's they're built to be robust and they're going to keep going. And you don't usually recognize the consequences and the negative effects of neglecting that annual maintenance till years down the line. And then at that point, how many years did you knock off the end of the furnace or how many extra dollars are you having to invest in repairs, Kevin? So I like
2: your comparison with a, with oil changes. Um, the difference is, with an air conditioner, you've got stuff, so an oil, take a look at your car. Most people know, if, hopefully, that if you're looking at a car and you're looking at the tires, for example, and you see they look smooth and bald, there's probably an issue with the tires. Or, you know, a lot of people know that they can go and they can check their own oil, pull the dipstick, and look at the oil, look at the level, and, you know, they have an idea of what to look for. Air conditioners is a little bit different because most people have no idea, there's no external, things for you to just look at and say, oh, well, that looks bad. I mean, short of the, the actual uh, coils on the outside, right? The condensing coils. When they get dirty, you can say, okay, that's an issue. But there's internal stuff, internal workings that just, there's nothing, no indicators. Uh, with your refrigeration, all your refrigerants and stuff that are running through there, it can run. It can, be, it can be charged improperly, and it can run, and it can feel like it's cool in the house, when in reality, it's actually damaging the
0: inside components, Right. I'm glad you're bringing this up because I, I've always used that oil change analogy. Um, but I would agree with you that that is, it's more like checking the filter and like looking for those visual things. And it's the simple thing that you may be able to do yourself. But then when you go and actually have a tune up done on the car and you're talking about gap and spark plugs and the timing belt and all of these different things that can keep the car running, but if it's not If the timing's not right or you've got uh, a gasket that's loose or and you've got an oil leak or different things like that, those can actually cause more damage. It looked like you guys were going to say something. I was going to say something.
1: Were you? No, I saw you raise your hand. I'm glad we brought that back. I was starting to wonder how come the hands (laughs) were being raised earlier. (laughs) Uh,
3: When I was 16 years old, brand new driver, Uh, my dad put me in a vehicle to drive, and it was a newer vehicle. You know, it It was within three years old and uh i'm 16 i don't know like you say we've got to educate people on what should be done i didn't know you had to have your oil chain i didn't know there was a sticker in the window that i needed to worry about and uh i just kept driving it was just out of sight out of mind and my dad wasn't driving it so he didn't see the sticker and uh the engine blew and uh awfully expensive Uh, i remember it was many thousands of dollars now i'm an old guy so that was how many years ago was that i won't even try to count but uh a lot (laughs) and uh Pretty uh, uh, difficult thing for my, my parents to recover from to actually have to go buy a new engine for that vehicle. Um, so the, the car analogy is very real, the fact that air conditioners could blow the same as the truck did.
0: So I, I'll actually, the car one is just so easy, I think, for people to understand because so many people have cars. Um, because one thing that people will ask is they'll ask about the age of the system and like, hey, if it's newer, do I not need to have this done? Is it more important when it's older? And I'll actually talk about a car and say, okay, well, let's look at the maintenance that you do on a car and the different ages of the car and the why behind you doing it. One, when the car is brand new, the reason that we are so on top of, you know, even cleaning it and making sure that we're doing the oil changes and rotating all the tires and things is that we want that thing to run like new for as long as possible. Then, once it gets a little bit older, the reason that we're doing the maintenance and having things checked out is that we don't want any surprise breakdowns. We're still trying to keep it like to run as good as possible, but we know that it's getting some age on the thing and we don't want the inconvenience how inconvenient is it to wake up in the morning and not have transportation to work? The battery's dead or you know, the, thing won't, <laughs> the starter's gone out or things like that, right? You don't want a surprise breakdown, so you're trying to stay on top of that. Now, when it gets older, it's a whole different reason. The reason that you stay on top of the maintenance is because you're trying to squeeze every drop of life out of that thing because you know that you don't have or don't want to spend thousands of dollars getting a new one and you're really trying to figure out um, or not trying to figure it out, but you realize that maintaining the thing, doing the maintenance is the least expensive way to try and extend the life of the, of the car. Your air conditioner is no different. So regardless of the age of the system, but talk to me about, are there things, um, as the system gets older, like, is it more important to worry about it as it gets older?
1: Of course it is. Uh, some of the things you want to make sure it 's working great is you want to make sure you have the right refrigerant levels really you never should have to adjust those things you want to make sure the fan is spinning the right speed because if it 's not spinning the right speed or there 's a blockage it 's going to cause that to overheat and just like an engine same thing overheat it 's not good and air conditioner's the same way you don't want that to overheat
0: and, and yeah and we we'll, i we actually have a copy of our uh you know air conditioner tune up that our technicians and go out and i I do want to like go through. Every single step on there to like let people know, you know, the kinds of things that they should check and and the things that they why they should be looking at those things. Um, but let's talk before that more in general. What should people expect when a technician comes out to perform a tune up or a inspection or a, like a checkup? Like different people call it different things. Tune up is the term that any hour services uses to. Describe the manufacturer's recommended maintenance and inspection items that need to happen every year But what should a consumer expect when they're paying someone to come out and perform this annual service? To be thorough Okay How how are they going to know if they're being thorough?
1: Man that's a tough one because they're not going to know all the things I mean We've got this list like you talked about we're going to make sure and go through it we'll leave a copy with them but there's, there's a lot on here. We just want to make sure not to miss anything. Make sure to check every little thing on it, like like talk about refrigerant, you know, airflow, amps, electricity, capacitors, everything. We want to make sure that thing is running like it should be.
0: Um, I've got an opinion on this, but I want to hear, do you guys, what what should a consumer expect when a person comes out to their home? I think that uh, it's important for them to
2: expect uh, honest feedback on the state of their conditioner at that moment. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that's the whole reason you do this is so that you can know, uh, I mean, it's like me, do I want to sit here blissfully ignorant of an impending thing that's coming or would I like to know and be able to hit it head on? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, if I hit it head on knowing that that's going to be way cheaper than if it does end up actually hitting me later, you know? And I think that's, that's what I would hope people could expect is an it, honest, uh, breakdown of where it's at
3: at that moment okay i think another thing they should expect is uh recommendations Uh, we might be there for just a tune-up but what we're doing is we're looking for things that could make your equipment better you go in for an oil change and they sell you windshield wipers Um, it's the same with your air conditioner we're going to come and look at things and our job is to educate you on the condition but then if there's things that we can do to help you improve we're there to make recommendations so you can choose whether or not you want to improve your system.
0: I, I agree with you. Uh, you know, my, my opinion is when someone comes out to your home and you're paying them to do this inspection or this tune-up or whatever they're doing, you've got a certain level of knowledge of, how the system should work. And I'm along the lines with Kevin, like this should be an education. You shouldn't, it shouldn't just be an exchange of money and you taking the word of the person saying like, hey, I did this stuff. Like they should be able to um, prove to you that they did it. And that's usually done in the form of a conversation, education, and an important part of that also, I think is is a written report. They should be documenting everything that they're finding as they go along so that if there are questions, they've got it. And it's not just like, oh, I think it was this. I think it was that. They have data that shows here's how it is because in, you know, the manufacturers publish data about like, hey, here's the way your capacitor should be functioning. Here's the voltage or the amps or the, you know, the electricity, all of this stuff. Here's what it should be. If it operates between this and this a and b then it's good if it's operating at c or z that's not that's you should probably take a you should think about changing it if it's d or y the thing is probably going to be going out soon you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and so knowing and i heard someone say and i I really i think this is a good way to explain it what all we're doing when we go out there one of the things that we're doing when we go out there to perform this tune-up is we're looking at Here's the way the system is engineered and designed to perform on day one when it's brand new. With dirt, uh, voltage changes, vibration, all of those things cause that system to get a little bit further out of spec. We're documenting how far out of spec it is. If there is cleaning and adjustments that we can make, then we make those things. But sometimes parts just wear out. Right. So we're, we're showing them the difference between that. And as to Dustin's point, we're giving recommendations to try and get it back as close to that as we can. Does that make
1: sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, our ultimate goal on a tune-up is to leave it running better than when we found it. That's our ultimate goal on a tune-up.
3: And the, the thing with the recommendations when we're educating and we're giving recommendations, that's what they are. They're good advice. You don't always, it may, it may be running like you say, and we found a part that's worn and would benefit the air conditioner to replace it, that doesn't mean you have to. You can wait till it breaks all the way if you want to. We're trying to help you avoid some of those uh, inconveniences of being broke down. Well, I think that's a good point. Uh,
2: Typically, if you're doing a tune-up, it's it's because it is running, right? You don't call for a tune-up typically on something that's already broken and not functioning at all. And so it's gonna be something that's running and that's why it's
0: important to go through and check all that stuff. What do you say to, um, or how do you help a technician know how to communicate the recommendations to a customer in a way that is transparent and honest. Cause I, I feel like as a technician, there's gotta be a little bit of fear and anxiety to like go into a system that you can see was installed improperly. The customer knows it should not be at the end of its life, but because it was installed wrong or the maintenance was neglected or for whatever reason, all of a sudden they've got a page of recommendations and there's like this anxiety on the technicians part of like crap, this, this customer is going to think that I am trying to like take advantage of them. How do you coach a technician through that to be able to have the courage to like actually go through and present that? Because that is a fearful moment because you don't, I don't want anyone calling me a liar or saying that I'm trying to scam people. Well, you know, speaking from experience, because I've
2: been in that exact scenario right there lots of times, And you know, you you do, you get to that point and you go in there with this big long list and you knowing that there's probably somewhere in the background of the customer's mind, um, a thought that I hope this guy's not here to take advantage of me. And you go in with every good intention and it is, it's intimidating, you know. Um, But I think that as a technician, the best thing to be is honest, show your expertise, right? And, and make sure you take the approach of, look, I'm just here to instruct you. I'm just here to teach you about your unit, right? And if you go with that mindset, um, and I always took the stance of, you know, regardless of what you do, Mr. and Mrs. Homeowner, this is your decision, right? And, and for me, it doesn't matter either direction. You know, if people want to leave it with a worn out part in there, that is 100% up to them. And, you know, if if that's the way they want to go, even though I... Wouldn't recommend it at the time. That that's fine. You know they're they're 100% entitled to make the, the decision and do whatever it is that they're going to do with it. And I think if you can take yourself out of it and and take that approach, it makes it a little bit easier to go and talk to people. And I think they can feel that uh, that uh, honesty and your the fact that you're just there to help. They can tell if that's that's your intention. I think if you can take that angle,
0: Richard, you run you you manage the. Uh, tune-up and service technicians. What do, you, what do you train as far as like the communication that they should be having uh, with the homeowner to communicate that so that they don't come across as pushy or just trying to make a buck?
1: We like having the homeowner with us when we do the tune-up. That way, when we're doing the testing and we're going through and you know, evaluating everything, we're pulling out the manual and making sure, and the manual is really the one that's going to tell us where it should be or where it should not be. And it's not my technician making that call. So we like having the homeowner with us and kind of just going through the whole journey itself together, so that you know my technician can educate at the same time. It's like, hey, let me kind of talk to you about how this works. And same thing with the you know my technician may have some question. My homeowner's like, you know, how's this worked like this or whatever. But ultimately, we like to have the homeowner there and then they test things together. Okay.
0: But if the homeowner's not there, what, what, uh, what's their procedure?
1: So, basically, they'll, they'll make the list here. They'll go through the tune-up sheet. They'll document everything. And then they'll sit down and, with the homeowner and do the same thing, kind of like they're retesting it and say, hey, here's this part. Here's how I tested it. Here's where it's at. Here's what the manual says. And just kind of go off that. say So, kind of educate the homeowner what it should be and what the manufacturer says. Hmm. <sighs> That, I, that answer question. It, no, it did. I'm
0: just, I'm still, I'm always trying to like figure out. I, I don't know at what point and what events happened that give the industry a bad
1: rep. Well, I have my opinion on that. Share it. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> Kevin's keep, over there. Keep laughing. It clean. <laughs> no, my opinion is everyone wants to be the, the hero and they're okay to, you know, bash on somebody. And that's not what we want to do. Like, Hey, you know here's what what the recommendation is take it from leave it but we're not out there to throw anybody under the bus or I think there's so much who's bashing on who in this scenario we, we get a lot contractors. of yeah, contractors. yeah contractors like I have a different opinion that guy's wrong and and we'd get this all the time unfortunately it's like well I had this guy say this and you're saying this like who do I believe it's like yeah you're kind of tough like all I can tell you is here's what the manual says like what does it tell you so we like to have the customer be educated enough to make those decisions
2: so, so it's hard and just wanted to give one example, right? I was out, I did a tune up, um, found a capacitor that was on the air conditioner and it was down. Uh, they've got a percentage range, right? And it was actually down about 30%, right? It was, it was pretty significant. If it says it right on the side of the capacitor, most capacitors are, they need to be within 6% of what the, the amount is that it has listed on there. Right. And here I was down 30%. Well, customer they wanted to have a second opinion look at it actually if i remember right it was a home warranty he had his home warranty company come out they sent a guy out to look before at before you it. or after you after i did right because you know he didn't want to have to which makes sense you know what? if you have got a home warranty have them come out and, and they'll cover the the cost of repair That's a great way to go you know um in this case the technician came out tested it supposedly and said this is this is fine don't know what the problem is because your unit will still function with your capacitor being down 30%, it'll still kick on, it'll still run, but it's not running properly. And it says it right there, uh, you know, that it's gotta be within that certain range. Now, he's telling the customer that, no, this is fine, that guy's trying to take advantage of you. right? And I ended up back out of that customer's house, and I had to do exactly what Richard's saying. And it was one of these scenarios where the customer wasn't able to be with me And so, but when I was able to get the customer with me and go through everything and explain, you know, the different manufacturer recommendations with it and everything else. Well, at that point it was, oh, okay. But so the issue is you get someone to come out, like Richard says, wants to be the hero or whatever else. Oh no, you're fine. In this case, I actually think it was a, a home warranty issue and they, a lot of times they'll just want to not cover things if they can.
0: Can I say that? I, just, well, I that's, just, that's the way that it is. Yeah. I mean, I mean they're, they're, their business model is to have you pay a premium and then
1: when, or a deductible, I don't know what the thing, if premium. they can
2: avoid paying for it. Correct. That's, that's where they make their money is by not having to fix stuff. If they can avoid it.
1: You no, know, it's funny you say that, Kevin. I just, I am dealing with a situation exactly like that right now. I had to go back out on a house, on a capacitor, on a furnace. And I was going through the homeowner. And, hey, you know, he's like, you guys are this, that. So I'm like, okay, well, let's pull it out and test it. So I pulled it out and tested it. And he's like, oh, what are you doing? I'm like, well, we gotta test it. He's like, oh, the other guy didn't do that. I'm like, wait, my guy? He says, no, the second opinion. I'm like, well, how's he gonna tell How him it's wrong? It? Yeah. yeah, so we pulled it out and showed him the labels and everything. He's like, oh, wow. So he was pretty upset about the other guys. So, like, so, it,
2: so it gets frustrating yeah. as, as a technician when you're out there, when you run into this kind of stuff, because you know the homeowner's getting information from everywhere. So I think the main thing that you do is you just stay with what you know. Right. This is this is all stuff people can look up if they want to, if they want to take the time.
0: Right. Uh, but stay with what you know and be honest and make sure you're on the customer side. You use. know, as frustrating as you say it is for technicians to like have that happen. I would think it's got to be amplified even more oh, yeah. frustrating oh, yeah. for Definitely. the homeowner because oh, yeah. they've had to take the time now to have two or three different people out and to get different conflicting opinions. It's one of the things that's most uh, annoying to me is that we can't. Um, we cannot tell the difference as technicians between opinion and fact, and we try and pass off our opinion as fact.
1: Yeah. We can, what we can do and we have done in the past is that we have someone that's not available to be there, be there or like an older couple who can't get downstairs. We'll actually take a video of it. Hey, let, here's, here's me testing this thing here at your house, you know, Mr. And Mrs. Jones, whatever and then take it upstairs and show them that. And do the same thing with anyone that can't be home at the same time, it's like, we can send you that video so you can see what we're actually testing in your home.
2: Yeah, it's nice now with technology, what you can do as far as that goes. I mean,
1: really, I mean, it ultimately comes
0: down to trust because you're gonna, you know, who, which technician do you trust as the homeowner? And when you are faced with having to spend, you know, being told that like, hey, you gotta spend 150 bucks to replace this part, And the next guy comes out and says, no, you don't like, oh, well, I like the guy that says I don't have to spend money. Exactly. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Because there's already this perception. And so it's a challenge. And I don't know that uh, the technicians always fully appreciate that. One of the things that they're out there to do is to, like, prove themselves worthy to earn the trust of that homeowner and our service system and everything that we go through and documenting and trying to make things systematic are there and designed to try and help the technician uh, be set up for success to be able to communicate properly to the customer and earn their trust so that they know that like this, this stuff isn't meant to be opinion. Like Richard was saying, there's a manual that we go through and do this stuff. It's mm-hmm. just, if, if somebody came out and, and let's say it was like a, a really big repair you know, like, or let's say my car and I take it into the mechanic and they're like, hey, you're going to have to pay, pay $7,000 to put a new engine in or 3300 bucks to get a new transmission. The part of me is going to be like, I think I'm going to get a second opinion. Did mm-hmm. your,
1: Did your kid forget to put oil in it?
0: No, but I just <laughs> my, my oldest just turned 16 and
3: started driving. You it's know, so I was I was tempted scary. to so say one place an soon. I guess <laughs> I was tempted to say one of the kids in the family, but, <laughs> but I had the, your to, brother had to, had is to, had sitting right next to you. he would be like, I know which brother that was, it was and it
2: was not this one.
1: <laughs> no, Mike, I was just looking up on, for example, we have 8,588 reviews. We're a 4.8 mm-hmm. star company. Go with your gut. If you have some questions, like by all means, call in, ask for me like a, over the service and tune-up guys. If you want some more clarification, I'm happy to answer any questions over the phone, or if you want us to come back out, we're happy to go back out.
2: I think that's important. Like you're saying, find a reputable company. If it's us or someone else, you know what I mean? Just make sure they're reputable. They're someone that, uh, that uh, has the reputation of coming in and doing and, and making sure they know what's what. Uh, this is one of the things that just drives me crazy about the industry is the, the undercutting and backstabbing and the lack of education also. You, know? you get a lot of people who, they'll, they'll jump into this trade, right? And their route of, of training and education may not necessarily be in service, right? There's a few different aspects with new construction and installing different things and whatever else. And they'll call someone out like this and honestly, there are a lot of times they have no idea what they're even looking at or talking about and they're giving recommendations based on that. You need to make sure you've got someone out there who is trained and knows what it is they're looking at knows what the manufacturer specs are and can
3: actually test for them has the tools to a test form. And that really, that's huge. I, I can understand why customers are stressed out by this though. I mean, there is a lot of stuff in this equipment and there's a lot of ways if an individual was dishonest, they could take advantage of the customer. Um, it, it does happen out there. It's not going to happen here, but it does happen out there. And that's why, like Richard said, we're going to, to bring you along the the journey with us. We're going to hopefully have you stand beside us while we test this equipment. We'll show you the numbers on the side of the, the, the capacitor and we'll show you with our voltmeter that it's out of specifications if it is. And so, yeah, it's scary. I see why they're scared and why they're nervous to bring people in. It doesn't have to be scary. We can make it comfortable.
0: And there's nothing wrong with questioning whoever's out at your home. Ask them why. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm a curious guy, period anyway. And if, My air conditioner was working, and I thought, like, hey, I'm just going to have this, uh, you know, tune-up done, 100 bucks, knock that out, and, like, get the annual maintenance done, and then they come back with, you know, a couple hundred bucks of repairs. I'm going to sit there and be like, okay, help me understand why this thing is running, but you're saying that it's not running right, And, and let them explain. And hopefully the technician doesn't get frustrated and has the communication skills to be able to communicate those things. Cause that's, people don't realize that like, in addition to the technical knowledge, that communication yeah.
1: is, is really important we, as well. We like questions. Like we, that's one thing we go over quite a bit is we like customer engagement and asking questions. Cause our goal is to educate you. And so you're understanding this. So you don't have to take, well, he says, she says, that thing it's, hey, I understand this. I can make a decision for myself. So that's what we like.
2: One of the big things, too, as a technician, is a technician needs to go in there and understand that customer, they don't know this stuff. That's why we're out there. They don't know. And so they should expect a customer to have questions. They should expect to and be
0: ready to answer those questions uh, competently. All right. Any technician out there listening, expect questions. Don't get frustrated. And the answer should never be, because I said so. <laughs> it's, it's also, I think there's a fear that uh, people think that uh, when someone comes out there, if they've got an older system, that, they're, that the technician's going to say, um, well, you need to replace this thing. And sometimes, sometimes that might be a recommendation. But I always tell people that if a technician comes in after spending time with your system, and the first thing and the only recommendation that he has is you really should replace this thing. Like, get get somebody else to come out and, and talk to you because unless they don't make parts for your system anymore, and if your system is that old, like, you might have a different issue, but unless they don't make parts for your system anymore, you should be able to repair most things mm-hmm. on the system. Now, everything costs different things, and after you see the bill, you may think, like, okay, well, instead of putting, you know, 800 bucks or 1200 bucks towards, you know, replacing a motor or a compressor or, you know, all of this other stuff, you might think, oh, well, I'd be money ahead to get the thing replaced. But again, that technician should be out there unbiased, present the information because that technician knows nothing about your financial situation. What if you still wanted to spend 1200 bucks to repair the thing? And even hypothetical, a stupid hypothetical, but let's say that it was 2100 bucks to Uh, Replace the thing and you're being offered $1,200 in repairs. A technician may not even present the option to repair the thing, but not know that you don't have $2,100 to do the thing. And maybe you can't qualify for financing. Maybe you've only got $1,200 and you want to repair the thing. Mm -hmm. That's not the technician's job to sit there and judge you. Their job is to be out there, present you with information and do whatever you want them to do. And yeah. do it with a good attitude. Oh, yeah. Or get the heck out of my
1: house. I'll do, I'll do whatever. <laughs> if like, I, they I, I Customer feel, service,
0: bad I, customer service pisses me off. I feel weird right now. I feel like Mike's
2: angry at me because he's staring across the table. At well, me. you're the one. I don't have to move my
1: headline. I'm like, look. I'm like, I'm sorry, Mike. I get fired up about customer service. No, you're right, though. Like, I'll, if you got an old system, you want to fix it, I'll fix it. If you want to replace it, my goal is, ultimately, to make sure you have a reliable system that's going to last you. that It's not breaking down Friday night. I'm going to tell you if you have an old system, hey, you might want to look into getting a replacement. However, I can fix it, you know, whatever you want. But, yeah, you're right, Mike. I'm on board with you.
2: Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, one thing to keep in mind also as a customer is that this is all based off of recommendations. There's no fortune-telling in this. There's no crystal balls. And so I, one question that I remember getting a lot is, um, well, how long is this going to last me? you know and people want to know okay well if i don't do anything right now can i get three months maybe shoot you might get another year or two the thing of it is is there's no crystal ball so what we're doing is giving recommendations based on the facts and information we have on the on the equipment at that moment
1: i just ordered a crystal ball i'm gonna return that (laughs) (laughs) yeah it said guaranteed to work yeah it will it's crystal
0: (laughs) paperweight hold that paper down so, well, let's, uh, let's actually dive into the tune-up sheet and talk about the kinds of things that are included or should be checked um, when you're going through a system. So on the sheet, it just it starts out and we talk about just really basic, starting up and, and running the unit. Why, why is that the first thing that we're doing? Well, it's like I was saying before,
2: a tune-up is for a unit that will turn on. And so if I show up to do a tune-up, and I go to turn it on, and it doesn't turn on. Well, there's something else going on, you know, something that needs to be diagnosed out. And a lot of people, you know, people are, I think, famous for this with their cars, too. Oh, it's making it a noise. I'll just get a tune-up, and maybe that'll fix it. And I think a lot of people do that also with their air conditioners. Oh, I'll just see if I can get a tune-up, and maybe, you know, in the course of the tune-up, it'll get fixed. If it's not coming on, then you need something a little more than a tune-up.
0: Yeah, and, I mean, there's there's a protocol. There's a procedure. It's different procedure to... Troubleshoot mm-hmm. than there is to go through the tune-up. It, without it running,
2: most of what's on our list, you can't even get in there and check. So. And,
3: and that's why that's first on the list is if we go to a customer's house and we try to start the air conditioner and it just doesn't turn on, it, it's a whole different situation. And now our, our recommendation is, well, let's get this thing started. It's going to need this first so we can do a diagnostic. We can do the repair and then continue with the tune-up. So... After that uh,
0: thermostat, what, what types of things are we looking at at the thermostat, or what are we looking for at the thermostat?
1: Batteries, level, just for looks. look most of the time there. Is it secured to the wall?
2: Make sure that it's actually turning on the right thing at the right time.
1: Okay. Make sure the date and time are correct.
2: <laughs> Honestly, when I'm there, I'll, I'll just, if it's a programmable thermostat, I'll verify with the customer, hey, do you like the way that your, pro, your thing is programmed? Do you need help? A lot of people don't realize that they can program or just get frustrated at some point and don't want to mess with them. And and whether you do it right then or later on, you want to let them think about it. It's something that uh, you can help people do while you're out there.
0: Um, Interesting. It says, and I'll let you guys talk about it, but we're out doing an air conditioner uh, tune-up and we're going to check the furnace fan motor and wheel alignment. Why why are you checking the furnace while you're out there, uh, you know, messing with the air conditioner?
1: Well, that air goes through the furnace. <laughs> it uses the same blower motor.
0: Yeah, a lot of people don't realize that, uh, you know, there's shared components between those. But
1: what are you looking for there and why? Making sure the the squirrel cage is clean. I, what's a squirrel cage? It, well, the blower wheel. Yeah, blower wheel. You know what a, like a squirrel cage, that'll run on a, a squirrel runs on it? You it, mean a
2: hamster a wheel? Hamster
1: wheel, okay. We call it a squirrel cage. <laughs> but hamster wheel, okay, different word. But it, it looks like that. And okay. if they get dirt and debris, build up on there.
0: I don't... I, I've never seen anyone have pet squirrels and exercise them on... Like, when I think of a squirrel cage, I think of squirrels are annoying. I'm going to trap them.
1: You know, in 20 years... anyone's <laughs> anyone's I've ever heard anyone call it a hamster wheel. I'm not saying you called it a
0: squirrel cage but you described it as a hamster yes, wheel that's right. all i'm saying no, you're
1: right so where's it's, mike from again maybe we should
2: call it a, a, <laughs> a, a possum wheel, <laughs> possum wheel.
0: you <laughs> also do not put possums in a wheel to exercise them that way you don't know we <laughs> just i do know i'm from there <laughs> we just called a squirrel mike's cage. from possum town <laughs> but you know this is a good point like Squirrel cage does not compute to the average homeowner, and so, so you know, just being aware of those types of things. So I'm, I know what you're talking about when you no. say that. I'm just trying to point out how stupid it
1: sounds. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding, <laughs> kind of. Um, so let's see, we're gonna go ahead and change this up here. No, no, no. Okay, so what? Oh, sorry, I interrupted, but no, what no. are you
0: checking for when you're looking at that? Well, you do bring a good motor? point.
1: If squirrel cage, if that's not something a homeowner you know associates with. I'm going to have to ask to around some of my guys and find out if they're using hamster wheel because now I'm just curious. But
0: Well, I don't understand why you can't just call it the lower wheel. We've, yeah, the lower wheel. Fan assembly.
1: I think the, it's just the fan blades. something I've said for so long. I'm just stuck on that. I no, guess. I get
0: that. And as a homeowner, here, I just want to throw this out there. As a homeowner, you do not want to come across as if you don't know as much as that technician because that can come across as weakness, And you want to have a position of authority, especially my wife tells me all the time that she feels like when technicians come into the home, not our technicians, she actually draws the comparison and say that ours are better. But when we've had other technicians for other services come out to the home, when they talk to her, they come across as condescending that like, oh, you don't know what I'm talking about. It's the squirrel cage. Like, you know, don't worry about it. Trust. And so she goes to the point where she just doesn't even ask questions. She doesn't contradict. She doesn't like let anyone know that she doesn't know what's going on because she thinks nodding and like pretending like she's understanding what's going on is going to not throw any red flags to the technician. But in her head, she's like. This guy's gone. I got to call Mike and ask, like, what's this guy talking about? And so just be aware of the terminology that we're using talking to a customer. Just because it's an industry term Mm -hmm. doesn't mean
1: that it's a homeowner-facing term. No, you're right. Like on this step here, inspect the furnace, fan motor, and wheel alignment. We'll actually have it outside so we can adjust that point. That's where it's like, hey, this is, again, we may call it that, but they'll, at that point, see a visual of it at least. Sure. Okay, so, sorry. I... I keep like distracting us but like what are
0: you looking for there and why like why is that alignment um an issue
1: if it's not aligned properly if it's not clean you get dirt build up on there it's not going to move the air as like it should and that can cause some problems with your refrigerant levels
2: if it's out of whack too um you know we're talking about alignment um if it's not balanced let's say and uh, that thing spins if it wobbles if it wobbles those things spin super fast and uh, if they do that over an extended period of time, that wobble can get worse and worse and worse. And eventually, I've seen squirrel cages, hamster wheels, and blower wheels, right? <laughs> I have seen them completely disintegrate, right, because they were misaligned. They, were, they had a wobble, and it just was allowed to go, and they got worse and worse and worse. I saw one one time that looked like it had exploded, and it sent fan fins. Uh, one of them had actually punctured the housing below it. And from the wobble, you could see where the housing had actually torn, right, about two or three inches, and it had bent the shaft on the blower motor. Mm. So had that been caught beforehand, you're talking right now I've got if – it's, if it's just replaced the, the blower wheel as opposed to replace the blower wheel, the housing, and the blower motor, you can see how the expense would
0: add up, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and I think people don't realize that uh, if you – even if they with that if if part of their thing that they're doing is if they look at that blower wheel cuz you can if you remove the cabinet you can usually look at it and you talked about dirt being built up on it i don't think you realize how much that affects the amount of air that it's actually moving because those fins are designed to be spaced a certain amount apart mm-hmm. to be rotating at a certain the revolution angle
2: of the fan blade the angle of everything
0: them. yeah yeah all of that stuff is specifically designed that way and when if your if your filters dirty or you know all of those things that are designed to keep dirt off of those from building up, actually, if if you've ever noticed dirt building up on your ceiling fan, like on the leading edge mm-hmm. of your ceiling fan, it's true. More than likely, you've got that same buildup happening on your um, on your blower fan down in the in the furnace because that's that is a indication that there is stuff in the air that is when it impacts it just kind of sticks and and stays on there anyway okay so after that you talk about uh checking the fan motor for buildup we talked about that uh capacitor mfd for a loud drop what does that mean and what is that that you're checking
2: so this is what i was talking about earlier when i was talking about the capacitor on the air conditioner right so the different motors in the in the unit typically have a capacitor Dustin's pulling one right there. If you're watching the the actual video, this is a dual run capacitor that would go into an air conditioning condenser, right? Um, Basically, you're measuring microfarads, right? Um, And you're, in fact, if you look at this one, where does it say it?
1: On the label.
0: You have have a defective (laughs) one. I actually found that in the dumpster, and I just wanted so a prop for my table. So, well, no, so
2: <laughs> so right there, it looked fancy. Right there, I was looking for the plus or minus, and got I it. don't know. It says right there, plus or minus five percent. It's giving me so on the this one will actually run a compressor and the fan. That's why it's called dual, right? Because it's doing two motors at the same time. The one that's in the furnace is only going to do the blower motor typically, right? So we, this one is stating plus or minus five percent. So I've got five percent that I can allow this to drop before I need to start thinking about, hey, this is out of spec and I probably should be thinking about replacing it. So when it says 45, if I look at that 45, uh, that's talking for the condenser itself, or the compressor itself. Um, Richard, what's 5% off of 45? 45
1: minus two and a quarter. 42.75
2: so so if i get in this and i measure below 42.75 manufacturer recommendation is that that gets replaced right and so that's the kind of thing that we're looking at when we when we actually get in to uh to look at these capacitors now this thing if it's left to keep dropping whatever else you know i've seen these things get to the point where they completely rupture you know or they just
0: more often than not they'll just stop working they overheat they start to swell oh yeah yeah um, so, so let's, you were going to say something. Yeah, I was going
3: to say, uh, in more answer to your question, you know, we're, we're looking at this tune-up sheet. This is kind of technical. We, we're talking about not being too technical with the customer. Microfarads, MFDs, capacitors, those are technical things, but we're there to educate. So when you're standing there with our technician, we'll take that capacitor, show you what it is, show you the reading of the microfarads, test it with our voltmeter, show you what the actual reading is, and show you that it's below the percentage drop if it is. That makes sense. So it is kind of technical on the form, but we're there to educate that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We're there as a translator of this. This, this form is like the Egyptian hieroglyphics and we're the interpreter that actually tells you what it means. Um, But tell me, tell me this, what is, what is a capacitor and what is its function? Why is it important? Why are we checking it?
1: Helps us start. How? The easiest way to explain it is kind of like it's a battery. Okay. You ever had to jump start a car? Yep. It's kind of the same thing. It jump starts a motor. Okay.
2: If you look most motors they're they work with magnetism, right? Mm-hmm. And so they've got like any other magnet a north and a south. And so the tendency is that it's going to wanna stick, right? And so you give it an basically the capacitor gives it a oomph, an extra kick, right,
0: to just get it going an, an for a start capacitor. Yes. It's a technical technical term, term. patent penny <laughs> okay so it it's there to give it an extra jolt to give it extra juice so um, that it is an, an extra umph and it's there to take more take stress off of the motor itself so Correct. that it's absorbing yeah. that extra umph that extra jolt there and it's preserving the life of the whatever it's helping to kickstart, whether it's the compressor or the motor. Okay. Is that right?
1: Dust? Yeah, you're right. Dustin, when he was talking earlier, he had one that was 30% low. It may still be starting up, but you're adding extra wear and tear on that motor by having this below that 5%. And that's the thing is that it
0: the thing still might be cranking up, but it's it is shortening the life of the motor and things mm-hmm. like that. That's why the thing is put there so that you can replace this capacitor that's less expensive more often than you're having to replace the motor that's like really expensive. Is that a more common part that goes out? Yeah, yeah, that's a, you see those all summer long.
1: Yeah, the hotter they get, the more they go out. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: is, is that, I'm thinking of uh, like how, how long how long should that last? If a customer is having to replace one of those every year, is that too often? Oh yeah. <laughs> if, they're, if they're having to replace it every four years, is that more reasonable? or is it five years, six years, seven years, like how, how often we see them all the time, but we're out looking at hundreds and thousands of air conditioners, but like a customer, are they going to replace that once in the lifetime of the air conditioner?
2: Well, let me tell you, my house, I've been in my house for 14 years. I had a brand new air conditioner when it started, right? When I got in there and I had to replace it three years ago. And that's the only time I've had to replace it so far. Um, this is one of those parts when you look at the manufacturer warranty. So you got a 10-year manufacturer warranty, and it goes out at 10 and a half years. Right? you got a whole bunch of little parts like that. I, they can go out at any time, and there's no standard, you know, it's going to go out at this time or this time or this time. But I would be willing to say if you were replacing it more often than once every four or five years, there's probably something with, with your install that's not good or things are, are dirty and they're just not able to run properly. You know what I mean?
0: Okay. Um, let's see. Measure, blow, measure blower motor amp draw. Where, why are you measuring? Actually, and the, the capacitor in this particular checklist that we're checking, there's one outside and then there's one inside at the furnace for the, for the blower wheel. And so, okay. So checking the blower, sorry, measure blower motor amp draw. Why are you measuring that? And what is that
1: a sign of if it's out of whack? Dustin looks like he was about to say something. No, go ahead. I'm reaching for my drink. It's kind of like telling you how hard it's working. So if it's it's higher than it should be, it's working harder. You could have dirt built up on the hamster wheel or the blower wheel (laughs) or the possum wheel, whatever you want to call it. But never you, called it a possum wheel. <laughs> We've started a new trend. If you
0: were in the south, maybe you could call it that, but that's still not a thing.
1: It, could, it tells you a lot of different things. If you got a high amp draw. If it was a possum on the porch, like if that was something
0: you could relate, like because we'd have possums come on the porch and eat cat food all the time, but uh,
1: never, never gotten the
0: hamster wheel. Okay, sorry. What were you
1: saying? <laughs> I was thinking of a comeback. and I have one. Uh, if it's got high amp draw then it's just not gonna, it's working harder than it should. Mm-hmm. It's drawing too many amps and there's a problem somewhere.
0: Is that fixed by, uh, cause you said there could be dirt building up. Is mm-hmm. that fixed by cleaning or if it's drawing too many amps, is that something where it's like, okay, we're gonna have to end up replacing this motor sometime.
1: It could be one, it could be both. Okay. Could be a, it
2: could be that it got to that point that it needs to be replaced because of the lesser, just uh, cause I considered cleaning stuff up. That's a lesser
1: issue, right? Yeah, it could be a dirty filter. It could be a lot of different things. When you get all those things, everything checked out, then eliminate it down to just the blower mo- wheel or blower motor. Sorry, then it's the motor.
0: Okay. Uh, checking the ductwork for obvious air leaks. What? Tell me about that.
1: Well, you don't want to be losing air where you shouldn't be losing air. You don't want to be blowing hot air in a crawl space or an attic or cold. You want to make sure that you're getting, you know, all the air directed where it should be going.
3: This is another area where we can just offer good. Uh, advice, good counsel to our to the people we visit with. Um, it's not always about just the equipment operation. Uh, it's about making your home more energy efficient while we're there. So it's a simple observation we can make and make recommendations on.
0: Well, and also people don't realize that the air blowing through the ductwork that is part of the function of the system. Mm-hmm. And so if whether you are impeding that by shutting off registers or you are impeding it functioning because the air is leaking out other places i mean one of the things that they might be experiencing is like hey it's not getting it's not getting conditioned in this room and we're doing our inspection and all of a sudden there's a there's a hole or a gap or something in that particular line that's going to that room or something that Mm -hmm. could be causing it what you're doing is you're losing pressure and causing all of the rooms to to not be conditioned the way Mm -hmm. that they could yeah It's making, I mean, you figure it's
2: pushing air and if it's not pushing the air to the right place, well, obviously that place is not going to get
0: conditioned the way that it's supposed to. So checking the next thing, check line set installation condition. Uh, What are you looking for and why?
1: Making sure it's not cut. We talked about a little bit on last week's episode or the previous episode, how we don't want those cut because it can condensate and have water dripping and so you're damage.
0: talking specifically about the insulation yes. around it mm-hmm. so is that is that all you're checking is making sure that the insulation is intact
1: or are there other things you're checking No, we're just checking that okay well there's there and also It also tries to maintain temperature so it does function more than just water dripping it does the function of the air conditioner
0: got it oh i said check line set insulation nice. installation but it actually says insulation. That's why you're saying.
1: That's what you check. Okay, <laughs> that's, uh, that's why. Okay. As soon as sense. you said that, I'm like, I looked at. It, I'm like, did, do we have a typo
0: here? <laughs> uh, Mike. Mike can't read. That is that is well known. But you um, do
2: so
3: good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nope. Okay. <laughs> Inspect evaporator coil for. And if you if I say something wrong, don't just like go with it. Like correct me. Uh, but we'd be correcting you all the time Mike I'm sorry we, just, <laughs> uh, we, we don't have that kind of time okay uh, let's see uh, inspect evaporator coil for blockages if possible so tell me tell me why that's important what is the evaporator coil
2: evaporator coil is essentially it sits above your furnace or air handler and it is where you've got uh, the refrigerant running through those lines it's the part that gets cold right that the air blows across to be able to cool that air down um, it's so the issue is if you can't blow air through it, then you got, you got a problem. You're not going to be able to cool down that air. You're not going to be able to get it to the parts of the house. And you essentially make it so the thing's not going to work because those coils will actually get too cold. And the natural condensation that we get when we're running an air conditioner will start to actually freeze up, turn that into a block of ice, and then it poses a whole bunch of other problems with your condenser if it's running like that.
0: We talked about the coils on the outside unit and how you could spray them off with a water hose the the coil inside, it looks very similar. It looks like a radiator coil. Um, and as the air is blowing across it, if your filter's not sized properly or if it's dirty and things are getting by, you can get animal hair, dirt, dust, and things that build up on that.
2: I, I think it's important to understand too. So anytime, what's the, somebody's, I'm gonna sound like an idiot when I say this. Uh, for every um, action, there There's is an equal, op- equal and opposite. An opposite. Okay, yeah, good. Newton's law? Yeah, exactly. I told you I was going to sound like an idiot. That's all right. I couldn't spell (laughs)
0: Newton's law, but I know what it is.
2: Excellent. So if I'm making cold air in one – or making cold in one spot, I have to make, according to that, heat in another spot, right? And so that's essentially what's happening between your evaporator coil and your condensing coil. You're taking the heat and putting it outside and putting the cold and putting it inside to to dumb it down, right? And so – Both of those need the airflow, both of them have to have the airflow. And so if it's getting plugged off, it doesn't matter if it's good outside, if this is getting plugged off, this whole system's not gonna work right.
0: Got it. So uh, next on the list, we've got uh, flush condensate, drain, and check for blockages. Uh, We've talked about that before, the importance of your evaporative coil is creating moisture, and you gotta make sure that that's got somewhere to go so that it doesn't overflow. Uh, onto the other components. So you want to make sure that's clear. Um, External. Yes, Dustin.
3: I got to point out one thing on that. People think that it just drips a little teeny bit of water. Um, They don't realize it's a significant amount of of water. Uh, It'll produce a gallon an hour. Hmm. Um, I remember, uh, there's always a story. Uh, Tell it. At one point in my life, I, uh, it was a weekend and I couldn't get to the store to fix my own air conditioner. And, uh, I wanted it to run what had broken down was the condensation pump and so I put a five-gallon bucket underneath that thinking that'd be enough to catch all the water overnight so I can sleep cool so I put the bucket on there by the next day there had to have been five gallons in the bucket and five gallons on the floor (laughs) because it it produces a lot of water just from the condensation in your air conditioner
0: Um, there you go when you're checking that um, that drain line is that when you also check the operation, nope, I see it as a separate thing here, testing the condensate pump for operation. That's So if you do not have a floor drain that it's going into or a five-gallon bucket, as Dustin had, uh, they usually run it into a condensate pump, and that pumps it out and making sure that that's working. Is that the thing that went out? Was your pump went out? Correct. Got
2: it. Um, one thing to point out, uh, so I deal with installs a lot. And when we go in, uh, typically we're going to replace that condensate drain as it comes off and um, i remember i had the i did an object lesson with my guys based off of one of those that came in just to show them how important it is to make sure that we replace that condensate line when we're doing a brand new install and we had 10 feet of three quarter inch pvc that was 98 percent of the way blocked off Mm. i mean it water wasn't getting through it it was actually backing up and and spilling into the condenser or sorry spilling into the into the furnace right and so build up it can have this stuff build up over time and so that's why this is something that we check because the last thing you want is to have that water spilling over ruining your furnace flooding your basement
0: you know um another thing external static pressure what what is it what is static pressure um and why are you checking it
1: it's to check your airflow uh kind of checking how much how hard your blower's working as far as moving air you don't want it too high or it's means you're not moving the air that you should be here in utah with our altitude we already struggle with that so we want to make sure that that's not where it shouldn't be if it's too high it's going to cause some problems on the system so
0: is the static pressure is that a reading that what it should be is that coming off of the blower motor like it should be moving a certain amount or is that something is that static pressure based off of the ducting size like where do you get the reading that says hey this should be different in the ductwork in the ductwork
1: we get in the ductwork and the manuals tell us where it should be got it so it's not going to be a this is what his opinion is or anything it's going to be right on there and a lot of times it's on the actual nameplate
2: this is where you run into duct sizing issues though because if your ductwork's too small for the equipment that you've got in there you're going to end up having higher static pressure you know and then some of the other things you know filters whatever else that's dirty. I mean, those are going to cause your stuff to be higher. And typically if you're running with a higher static pressure, that motor is working harder than it should be. And so something to ask yourself, if you're having to replace a blower motor every other year, you know, there's a good chance that you've got an issue with your static pressure, right? Issues with
0: your duct worker issues somewhere. So if the static pressure is higher, does that mean that it's moving more air or it's moving less?
1: Moving less. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: So the higher the static pressure, the, less air it's going to be moving. So really that measurement is checking to see if it is, uh, moving the air at the right. Yeah. We the, right, get velocity, velocity. the yeah. right velocity. Yeah. Okay. We
1: get a, well, yeah, that's, yeah. And that's a separate thing there. Velocity and static is different, but, um, <clears throat> you get a lot of questions. People said, Hey, I just need a bigger air conditioner. Then we'll check the static pressure. We're like, no, we need to lower your static that'll your air conditioner size properly, you know, and some repairs. And they're like, no, I just need a bigger system. Like, if I put a bigger system in here, it's actually going to be worse because my static's even going to be higher now. So that's something we have to watch for.
3: You, you point that out, Richard. I've seen uh, multiple times where we've given that counsel, and so they still want a bigger air conditioner. So they go to somebody else, and somebody else will actually sell them a bigger air conditioner and do them that disservice. And then they're calling us back later saying, hey, I didn't listen to you. I bought a bigger air conditioner. Now I've got even bigger problems. And... Those those uh, solutions can oftentimes be really expensive. It's, it's not fun to have to buy two brand-new air conditioners uh, in consecutive years. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Um, okay, the next thing you're checking is the temperature difference across the evaporator coil. Uh, what are you looking for? Why are you checking that?
1: We're looking for a temperature difference between 18 and 22 degrees. Why? Just to make sure it's cooling properly. If it's lower than that, it's not doing the air conditioner isn't working 100%.
2: It's indicatory of other things and functions in the system, right? Uh, it can point you in directions. If you're having issues with that, tip you off and let you go start looking for other issues that might be there.
0: So when you're checking across, are you checking there at the return and then putting a probe up above the, the evaporator coil? Because mm-hmm. that's when the air should be the coldest, right? T- typically, yeah. So, so you're looking for an 18 to 22 degree difference or you're looking for 18 to 22 degrees? Difference. Difference. Mm-hmm. Cause that would be cold. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All
2: right. Yeah. If it's, if it's blowing in, if it's coming in 85 degree air, then
0: up above it coming out, you should have 65 degree air coming out.
1: Okay. Ba- basically.
0: Yep. Filter system. When you're checking that, what are you, what are you looking for? What are you seeing out there?
2: Making sure that there's no gaps around the filter. Um, honestly, we go out to a lot of them. People have put just whatever size they could find filter in a filter rack. Maybe it doesn't fit right. And so you look in there and there's, you know, three inch gap over here of air is able to get around it uh, and it's not making it. Uh, also, I'll look at ease of how how hard is it to put this filter in for these people. A lot of times people don't replace a filter or don't know where the filter is because it's just in a difficult place to get to.
3: Do, uh, do you remember when we first got into the industry? So this is 20 years ago. Kevin and I both got into this industry together and and we were still uh, living at home. We're thinking, hey, this will be cool. Let's help mom and dad out, fix their equipment. So we ended up going in to work on their equipment we say hey dad where's your filter on this one he had two furnaces one for the basement one for the main level and uh he's like well i don't know (laughs) and so uh we finally found it but he'd had this furnace there for 20 years and never changed the filter because he just didn't know where it was did you ever wonder why the air conditioner went out yeah (laughs) well it had nothing to do with grasshoppers so anyway it had gotten so plugged that it, it just folded over and just collapsed the, and uh, with filter the, the filter, yeah, and it just was doing no good, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we were able to take good care of them at that time. But, yeah, filters are important. Well, And so I want to point this out,
2: too. My dad, he is a handy guy, right? Uh, he was actually a builder for a lot of years. Um, and he's a guy that knows how to do everything, you know, from plumbing, electrical. I mean, I've seen him do amazing amounts of stuff. And the fact that he was unaware of the filter in his own house it was kind of, kind of surprising. But, you no, know, you got to take that as a lesson with everyone else out there. Right. There is a lot of people out there who don't even know where their filter
3: is. No, their furnace isn't a closet. It's out of sight, out of mind. You're not thinking about your filter. Oh,
0: yeah. Hmm. Uh, So that's the stuff that we check inside as we're moving outside um, the outdoor disconnect. What are you looking for? Well, actually, I have a question. You've got outdoor disconnect and then you've got blades breaker fuse. Uh, Tell me tell me what blades breaker fuse and what you're looking for out there at the disconnect.
1: Well, we're looking at the style. Those are different styles. So, a blade breaker is kind of just that makes a connection. Um, I'm not a big fan of the blade connectors just because they can tend to have a little more arcing and welding. I've is that the one where you pull out the yep, thing that's, that's a blade? And if it's welded, you rip the whole disconnect off the house. I've done that a couple times. Yep, you pull all the guts out. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> I'm not a big fan of the well, the blade. And typically, if that's
2: happened, because it's welded, there's been some heat in there. So, like, the plastic components inside have melted a bit. and. And things are brittle, so they do—they just fall apart.
1: Yeah. Mm. So we're looking for that. We want to make sure, and it's just documented. So we we'll use a homeowner to know what kind of a system, everything you have, breakers—just your average breaker. you Got one right here. You know, you click it on and off, mm-hmm. just like that. And then the fuse disconnect—it has a fuse in there. There's certain application that's for code that are required. Okay, so so you're just checking the condition of everything there
0: mm-hmm. to make sure that it's uh, functioning properly. Um, the AC electrical breaker size, that's if you have a breaker, you're documenting what size. Are you verifying? Do you ever come across like improper sizing that doesn't like match? <laughs> All the time. All the Why time, would yeah. someone
2: do that? Because <laughs> they had the breaker on the truck and they were like not wanting to go to the store to get a different one. They stick it in. Really? Oh, yeah. As easy as that. I mean, I wasn't there when they did it, so maybe it was a different scenario. Just saying. But uh, yeah, I mean, m- maybe some people now contrary to common belief in the hvac world hvac technicians are not typically licensed electricians Mm -hmm. right in fact i remember uh when we got into this like you were saying seeing some really sketchy scary stuff on some installs you know and today even today we still we go back on some jobs where we're like holy cow did you see how they pulled that power or where they hooked that in at or the breaker that they did on there and so you do you, you end up with a lot of stuff some of the issues you get are they've Double tapped in, in other words, they've there's been an existing breaker and the wire that was ran to the air conditioner. They've actually stuck it under that same breaker, which you know creates its own set of problems. Um, or they're using the wrong kind of breaker that just conveniently fits in that panel, but it's not listed to be able to be used in that panel, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then you've also got the size to boot, which if it's not size right, that creates a bunch of issues. I mean, if you've got a AC and it's supposed to have a 30 amp breaker well that breaker's there to protect that ac in the event of whatever if it's got a 50 amp breaker well when it's supposed to be tripping it's not going to trip and rather than tripping and protecting it's going to let it burn up and cause all sorts of problems
1: i got a i got a picture right here mike that we're talking about disconnects here's one this is from one of my guys i think it was yesterday or tuesday that did an ac tune-up and part of that I don't know if you want to share that on the podcast. That's what he came across. Mm. That looks pretty, pretty safe, doesn't it? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> but he's looking at is A picture of I'm a wire. i an electrician.
0: I know that's not safe. <laughs> he's got a
1: wire that it's completely fried and black and corroded and everything, and it should not look like that. Wow. We'll, we'll
0: put that up uh, in the video. Text that to me. Um, the, okay, so after, after checking that stuff, we're going to check the uh, condenser coil for damage and blockages. Uh, what is, again, just for those that don't know, what is the condenser coil?
2: Condenser coil is the, you've got your outdoor unit. It's the coil that is out there that's helping dissipate the heat.
0: Okay. Uh, visual inspection of the line set. Inspection. Yep, that does say installation. Inspection of the line set and AC for possible leaks.
1: What are you looking for and how do you know if there's a leak there? Oil residue. Okay. That's one thing. Look, sometimes you can tell the weld's not very good. Or you see a hole.
0: Down where the connections are, yeah. where it goes into the air conditioner. If, if you look at one and, and you,
2: especially, there's things that we go off of. You go off your customers, your conversation, you know, uh, you have a customer telling you, yeah, I got to get this thing recharged or get the gas put in it. It's pretty common thing that people say. Uh, I got to do it every year. Well, when I get out there, I'm instantly looking for, like Richard's saying, oil residue at the joints inside the unit anywhere that they could potentially be a leak
3: in regards to that kevin some people think it's normal to have to add refrigerant to your system it's not normal they you, think you, that
0: refrigerant is like uh you know gas in the car like yeah. that's what makes the air conditioner run and i got to get it refilled
3: if, if it's done properly you should never have to change or add refrigerant in your air conditioner but I, oh
1: go ahead sorry i say i had a customer several years ago that had that scenario every year she would have a company come out and so i went out there and i said, no you got plenty in here And the problem was with what what was the worst up here that we talked about the check the coil. But her coil was completely plugged up, so she wasn't getting that airflow. And so I'm like, we need to clean this, and then we need to remove. And she wasn't very happy. She's like, no, 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 this other guy works. I'm like, look, just let's see what happens here. Just trust me. Let's do this. And in one of those situations, she's like, who do I believe?
3: Mm-hmm. I'm
1: like, look,
0: and we- just trust me work. <laughs> well, it was, a, it was a little more in depth. Just
1: Trust me. It was a little more in depth. I gave her the price. And I said, I'm just kidding. If it doesn't work, I will not charge you this. Got it. So she had no worries. Cause if it wasn't working, so I got it all done. And then I says, well, what do you think? She says, it sounds like I'm writing you a check. Mm-hmm. I said, well, mm-hmm. is it's working better she's actually like it's never worked this good, mm. but that, that, Adding refrigerant goes back to that coil. If it's not clean, it's going to show a symptom that it's low on charge. So there is some symptoms there that we need to know. Yeah, I I like
2: that, that exact scenario. I've seen it time after time, and it's amazing how much refrigerant I've actually pulled out in the past on some of these units after we've gotten them squared. And the thing that blows my mind the most about that is that every year there was a technician who went there and was willing to just put in the gas, you know mind-blowing to me because it's wrong Hmm.
0: well yeah and the thing that i've learned over the years because is that refrigerant like that's people think like it's not cooling i need more refrigerant because i think people think that in their car as well but uh but too little refrigerant and too much refrigerant can have similar effects where it's not cooling properly um okay so let's see we've got measure the or test 24 volt control voltage at AC what, why are you testing that
1: making sure it's getting full voltage out to the air conditioner
0: so you're testing out at the air conditioner is there 24 volts so I'm assuming you're testing the proper uh, function of a transformer somewhere
1: yes okay well we, we do that as well okay uh, let's see
0: the 24 volts that's the control voltage coming from the uh, thermostat is that right? Or like some, some type of... It
2: originates in the furnace. Okay. You got a, a transformer there in the furnace, and then it sends a constant 24 volts to the thermostat, mm-hmm. and it just sits there till the thermostat decides, hey, I need cold or hey, I need hot. And then it sends that 24 volts wherever it needs to go, in this case, out to the condenser to tell it to turn on.
0: Gotcha. So, is it sending the signal the entire time that the thing is running? Yes. So it's closing a, a connection, mm-hmm. sending that voltage, and then when it gets to temperature, that opens back up, and that tells the system to mm-hmm. stop running. Is that right. And, and
2: probably should add this is for a typical air conditioner. There's some different kinds out there that run on different types of voltage. Some of your modulating, communicating stuff is going to be different. But I'd say ninety, I don't know, ninety-eight percent of the stuff out there, this is.
0: But when we when we get out there, we identify that, and we're making sure that it's running, pulling the proper uh, voltage there. Okay, measure voltage across the contactor. Uh, What is a contactor, and why are you measuring that voltage?
1: No, it's kind of like a breaker a little bit. You've got air power sitting at your air conditioner at all times, and when that voltage, that twenty-four volt that we just talked about, gets sent out the air conditioner it sends that high voltage through what's called a contactor and some relays that close mm-hmm. and that power continues on through the air conditioner now. So we're testing to make sure you're getting the proper vault voltage on the side of the air
0: conditioner. So you're making sure you get in the 24 volts. And then when it closes, you're making sure that you've got 240 volts there yes. across those two. Yeah, it's, it's just levels. an
2: automatic switch.
0: Okay. Uh, let's see outdoor fan um, amp draw. So the outdoor fan is similar. The amp draws testing the same way you've got a fan indoors. You've got a fan out outside mm-hmm. and you're making sure that it's not pulling too much amperage and working harder than it needs to. Um, now, what's the most common like failure on those? Like, do you, do you see a lot of those go
1: out? Yeah. The fan motors? Yeah. yeah. Why? They make a lot of revolutions. They turn a lot of, a lot of times around. Mm-hmm. A lot of those are... No, no, over a thousand RPMs.
0: So, do those get out of whack as well? As far as like you know, having a wobble or mm-hmm. bearings going out. Yeah, or? if you got
1: an air conditioner sitting underneath a like an eave or something like that during the winter, and a big ice cube falls and goes through there and hits a fan blade, mm-hmm. it's going to cause it to be off balance, and it's going to wear and tear on those bearings. You got a motor that's out now. I'll okay.
3: remind you of uh, Kevin's story of last episode we were trying to forget that we didn't want to bring
0: that up like in case Peta didn't hear the last episode but they did hear this yeah. episode like we're just increasing did it get our cut? chances o- i objects. mean i don't know we no, said objects rocks but
3: objects stuff. yeah no, we, they were grasshoppers <laughs> <laughs> big ones but i remember we'd stick sticks in there too and watch the fan blade hit the sticks and go ding 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 we oh, yeah, awesome. do all sorts of stuff you know people so, do that with yeah. a
2: bike tire and the spokes we yep.
0: do it in the fan in the air conditioner kids kids will be kids yeah or adults um let's see showing their kids how to be kids let's see okay so after that we've got inspect ac fan blades for alignment and vibration that kind of ties in there inspect the fan motor uh, condition uh breaking balance and vibration so are you just watching the thing move is yeah. that is that what you're watching yeah we're
1: watching we're listening uh if you got one that's off balance or something like that it could also cause your ham draw to be higher so we are testing the best we can
0: I know I've seen on older air conditioners, like when the, if you've ever been outside, when it kicks on and it sounds like it's struggling to start up, it's like you hear the, and then ding, then it comes up to speed. Is yeah, that's that's not that's, normal. That's, that's normal. Oh, that's not normal. No, that's not normal. Oh, I need you to come out to my house. And, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, uh, but is there a ramp up period? Like, what should it sound like if someone's out there listening? Because, I mean, it does. You hear the you hear the contactor, uh, make connection there. And then you hear the the little buzz and then the thing starts going. Is there a little bit of a ramp up or should it just like, what should it, they, if if someone's listening outside while they're working in the yard and they hear the air conditioner kicking on, what's a noise that could be like, Hey, there might be something going on.
2: If it's clanking banging, you don't want to hear those.
1: There's a wobble vibration in the unit that definitely, but most of them should just start up just, just automatically just i don't know if so you, you hear shouldn't a, hear a long buzz no no <laughs> some of the higher higher um sear air conditioners, and you'll know if you have a higher one because it'd be more recent they do uh the fan spins really slow mm-hmm. and then it may need to ramp up at that point but then again my technician will make sure to walk you through that information
2: something to remember too when these things are starting up uh on your typical uh just a standard air conditioner um there's uh refrigerant and oil that's sitting there that it's having to kick on and move right from the get-go right and to get that compressor moving it takes it takes some power your your majority of your power usage when these things turn on is right at the beginning when it's when it's turning on because it takes them so you you will have i would bet the most if you hear noise on startup that just say you've been in the house for a while and you just hear something strange and it hasn't been there before that's most likely going to be when you hear it when yeah, it's starting If your out.
1: fan doesn't come up to speed within three to four seconds, you've got problems.
0: Okay. So in the, that fan motor is tied directly to the next thing that you're checking, which is uh, the compressor amp draw. And then you've got a couple of things out there. Um, FLA rating and FLA actual talk to me about those and what those are.
1: Those are full load amps. We're testing what the actual, what, what it's pulling and what it's rated for. Same thing with an amp draw on a motor. There's what it's supposed to be and where it actually is.
0: So you've got the reading off of the compressor itself yes. of where it should be and then what the actual is. Mm-hmm. Um let's see. The OHM compressor, what is that?
1: That's called ohm compressor. We're testing kind of like uh checking the resistance of the wires inside of the air conditioner, they're rated for so much. And if they're over that, then there's some heat damage, heat stress.
0: The dual capacitor, that was the the part that kevin was talking about earlier when we yeah. talked about there's a capacitor indoors and you're saying inside where the uh furnace is that's usually a single capacitor yes. and then outside it's a dual capacitor because mm-hmm. you're you're kicking on both the fan motor and the compressor correct does the compressor have a motor in it or is it run off of the it, it's the, its own separate motor it's its own separate motor mm-hmm. uh let's see check refrigerant levels super heat and subcool. So t- the refrigerant is a, a big deal to people. So talk to me about uh, what you're checking and and give the basics of how you check that.
1: Well, we hook up our gauges and there's again, there's going to be a temperature difference between our gauges because all of our gauges are doing is they're giving us a pressure, which tells us the temperature of the refrigerant side. Okay. So we want a difference and it depends on what that is. is Sorry. How, how well it is.
2: Sorry. Just pertinent gives you a pressure and an associated temperature with the thank pressure
1: you. thank you sorry
0: so the gauges it shows you the pressure and then it translates that into yes. that means it's yes. this temperature so
2: when he's saying a temperature that's he's that you're actually getting a temperature from your gauge based on the pressure that it's at gotcha right?
0: sorry now when you put the gauges on now is the uh sub and the super cool or superheat and su- <laughs> Yeah, you're you, the professional you are super cool so i am <laughs> the the su- super heat and the sub cool are you measuring because you've got one line that's bringing the, the hot refrigerant from the house and the other line that's taking the refrigerant uh, the colder the the refrigerant that's been cooled off back to the house are you measuring both of those right there and you're measuring the difference of how hot it is coming from the house and how cold it is going to the house
2: S- so essentially when it says sub cooling I'm taking a temperature inside like you say and I'm just seeing how much heat, how much temperature it's actually losing by the time it gets outside. And superheat is the reverse of that. I'm looking at outside and seeing how much it uh, heats up. Let's see, am I think it backwards. Think it backwards. So, but but that's essentially what you're looking at. Superheat, you're just seeing how much is heating up and subcooling you're seeing how much it's cooling down. And there's the you'll use one of those, one or the other primarily based upon your Your system and what it has metering-wise, which, you know, I don't know if you want to get into, like, super deep detail with that, but um, based on what you've got, that's going to be the first one you look at. But they're all indicatory of balance of where your refrigerant levels should be.
0: Hmm. Uh, Liquid PSI and vapor PSI. What's what's the liquid and what's the vapor, and what are you checking there?
1: That's what Kevin was talking about. That pressure just gives us a correlation with the actual temperature and it's just honestly for our records and for your records so we can see if we come back next year and those have changed drastically we have to dive into why
0: gotcha um and then liquid line temp liquid line temp. oh there's two of them yeah
1: we got a misprint there we missed that one Shh.
0: <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> okay, an hour 19 crazy. minutes <laughs> uh,
0: what's it supposed to be vapor oh so uh liquid line temp and so so we're all we're still checking all that same stuff and then um rinsing off the outside condensing unit. Yeah
2: so essentially the reason that you're putting those to check subcooling, that's what you're looking at, right? Uh the way you get your temperature on the one side is through your gauge and then you actually take an actual temperature and you just take the difference, right? That's
0: how you're getting your subcooling versus your superheat. Got it. So whew, man, that's a lot of stuff. You guys have any last thoughts? You don't have to because you've shared a lot. No, that's no.
1: our that's our tune-up sheet and that's a lot that goes on. That's how come the manufacturer says get a rec- you know a licensed professional out there. There's a lot on there, there's a lot of knowledge, there's a lot of tools, specialty tools that we have. So well, thanks so much for listening to this
0: episode of In the House. We'll be back next Tuesday with a new episode. If you've enjoyed the show, please subscribe. Uh, do me a favor if you've got time, go to iTunes, leave a review for the show, let us know what you think. Um, I'd like to thank my guests, Kevin, Dustin, Dick, for being here, Austin for co producing in the background, and everybody else behind the scenes that helped to make this possible. Um, if you'd like to know more about Any Hour Services, go to anyhourservices.com. I've been your host, Mike Wilson, and you've been listening to In the House. See ya. <music>